Hi, this is Hillary with the SoCal Sound. So excited to be talking to Amy Ray today. Thanks for joining us, Amy. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, so Amy, you're famously known as one half of the Indigo Girls, Amy and Emily, uh, but you also have a pretty thriving solo career. You have a lot of solo albums and you're going to be hitting the road promoting your latest album if it all goes south. Yeah. Yeah, I'm finally getting out to California and to the West Coast and Oregon. I, we've played, the, this band has played the Northwest a little bit, but we haven't been able to venture to California in a long time. So super excited about that. And um, Is that COVID reasons or why haven't you been able uh, to? Remember? You know, it was COVID, but it was also like just, we honestly, we just didn't have an audience in California for the country stuff, you know? My punk rock band did okay down there, but um, didn't have as, just couldn't, I couldn't make it work. And so I just was waiting to the thing that would help it. And uh, Dar offered some dates to us and I was like, oh, that'll, that'll work. And that Dar is who you're touring with. Yeah, touring with Dar okay. Williams. And it's my band, which is like, there's seven of us. It's like oh, a wow. giant band. Um, it's just basically everybody that records the records, uh, my solo records, which is like Jeff Fielder on guitar and he plays mandolin and banjo and dobro and electric and acoustic pedal steel player that also plays banjo and dobro, a fiddle player that also plays guitar, a drummer, a bass player and a keyboard player. That's a big band. It's a big band. And we sort of never really tour other in any other. We've tried touring with less people or doing some gigs as just a trio or whatever. It's just never as fun. So yeah. Yeah. We always go how, around all together. <laughs> how is it different touring with this like big band versus touring with Emily as the Indigo Girls? I know sometimes you guys have a band, sometimes it's just the two of you. Yeah. How are these different from each other? Well, I always tour with the same band and we we drive around in a van with a trailer and with Indigos, you know, we tour with our violin player a lot of the time. And then every now and then, like this summer, we're going out on the road and doing shows with a full band. We'll be with Amos Lee for some shows. And, and actually, Melissa Etheridge is going to do some shows. We're going to do some shows together. Um, yeah, so, but my band, and we, but Indigo's travel on a tour bus, you know, and we have a full crew, but the Amy Ray band is, is just us and yeah. driving ourselves and we're going to have a sound person with us who is our friend who produces all of our records so he is coming on this tour to do sound it sounds like uh, a big deal like a big tour it is a it is a big i mean it's a, yeah it is it is because it's our we haven't it, we're playing all these places that we don't normally get to play and because dar is taking us on board um which is very nice of her since we're such a big band mm -hmm. So yeah, no, it's a big deal. I, I mean, I, you know, I take my bass player and we drive the van out to California. Do you actually own. do the driving? I actually do. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's I mean, great. I could probably pay someone to drive the van out, but like, it doesn't really make sense. And so, yeah, I drive the van out and then the whole, the rest of the band flies in and it's a big deal. We get, we all get in and we go do the tour and then I drive it home. That sounds like so much fun. So even though you said you, you know, this band has not played much in California or the West Coast, but you personally are out here quite a bit because I just saw you with the Indigo Girls a couple months ago. Like you said, you have these dates coming up. You have some in Santa Barbara and one at the Troubadour. 
Is there anything you like to do when you're here in LA or Southern California? I, well, I usually like to get tacos, but um, I also <laughs> like to hike. You know, I mean, I'm when I'm on a solo tour, I can't do anything except drive the van and pack and play music and unload yeah. and all that stuff. But I mean, typically, you know, in LA, I I really enjoy hiking, so I go up to the different parks and Runyon and Canyon. Oh yeah, Runyon yeah, Canyon. Yeah, you got it. That one kicks my butt. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love it. I and I generally that's kind of the thing I do when I'm on the road with Indigo Girls is on a day off I go hiking nice. or I go to um, record stores and thrift stores. Those are my two choices. It would be really fun to run into you at a record store. That would be exciting. It's fun to be in a record store. <laughs> it is. It is. I agree. Uh, you're still living in Georgia, right? Yep. Okay. I'm living in North Georgia. I live up in the woods. Um, and yeah, I love it. Yeah. I, I have never been, I would love to go. Um, you're really known for your activism. I think both you and Emily both are really known for that. So what is that like being like an LGBTQ plus person, being an activist and living in the South? Well, the, I mean, the thing about the South is I think people, you know, it's, we kind of, I, I think like, unless you come here, it's hard to understand, like, I mean, to some of my friends, it's actually hard to understand, like, why, why you would love living here so much. But it's actually pretty rich in activism here, because this is kind of where everything's happening. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to be here, you know, we need to be present, we need to be visible, we need to be working our butts off. I think it's, you know, there are some safety issues, I think, for some people here. And so you just have to kind of, I mean, to me, I'll just say the biggest problem I think in the South is still racism. Yeah. Um, I just think it is. I think, you know, homophobia is big and banned books are big or a big problem and all that stuff. But like racism is sort of at the root of so many things and misogyny. And so mm -hmm. I think for me as a Southerner, that's the task is work on that, you know, be here and work on it. And I think like white people have a lot of privilege and entitlement even you know at middle class white people I should say and so we you know you got to work I mean I just believe you need to do the work yeah right so this is where I am and I'm gonna just try to not be you know pushed out yeah one of the places where the work needs to be done so that makes so much sense but there's also a lot of really like you know, Jimmy Carter's from Atlanta and Rosalind and John Lewis and Stacey Abrams and like our leadership yeah, here is just right. phenomenal. And the groups, the activist groups, like a lot of the younger groups, Project South and Southerners on New Ground. And there's just so many good groups that cross that have learned about, you know, just how to cross pollinate basically with issues of migrant farm workers cross with like queer issues cross with racism cross with immigration issues or death penalty or you know criminal yeah. justice system they're all intertwined it's intersectionality it's always been that way and i think in the south they kind of got that earlier yeah and so for me a lot of my mentors have been out of this out of the movements here because they saw the that like you know you're working on native issues as a queer person you're also working on queer issues, you know, right. at the same time. All plays and into each other. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's all connected. For me, it's, and I love the South. I mean, I'll, you know, I just love it. I'm from gener five or six generations of people that are from here and I love the land. I love, I love my neighbors, even when they disagree with me, yeah. and, you know, don't at all feel the same way about most things. Right. Right. There's just, it's my comfort zone. Yeah. You know, everybody's got one and this is mine. Well, it's super honorable that both of you have used your platform for good. And I feel like you can feel that when I go see you guys play. Um, it's always an emotional experience. I've seen the Indigo Girls over 30 times. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Any chance I get and you guys are on tour and I've seen Amy, you know, I've seen you solo a couple of times as well. Um, and every time I go, I'm just like, think that I'm like used to seeing you guys and I'm not going to be moved emotionally, but I am for like a lot of different reasons. Like I'm moved because I love your lyrics and I moved to like what strong activists you guys are. Um, and something that's like interesting to me is, you know, every time I see you guys, you guys play Galileo and you play closer to fine. Does that ever get boring for you? Are you ever like, oh, closer to fine again? It doesn't for me. <laughs> I love it because the audience is singing and everything, but I wonder how that translates to you guys. I mean, we, it would be boring if we weren't doing it with everybody else singing yeah. and, you know, like Emily and I are like, we don't want to practice closer to fine. Yeah. But, um, it's a great song. I mean, it's anyway, a great song. You know, he wrote a great song and it's given us a lot of, I don't know, just, it's like a really great way of bringing people together. Yeah. And so it's, it's just, it's crazy. Cause you can just, the sing-alongs happen. The guests can sing a verse. There's just so yeah. many things about it that bring people yeah. together. So no, you, I don't get tired of it. Cause it's, a, it's different. It's going to be different every night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whatever's happening in the audience is different every night. Is there songs that you prefer playing live that you enjoy more uh, than others, maybe? You know, it changes all the time. I mean, it's, I, there's not like one song that we always, it, it's not like, oh, I always want to play this live. I mean, we, it's hard to say. I mean, we do share the moon a lot um, these days. Yeah. And um, I really like playing that song. But, That's a great one. But we tend to rotate, go through phases where we have like, you know, 20 songs that we're kind of focusing on. And then like five of them might change the next week yeah. or, or the daily we might yeah, add things in and out. Um, so it's it's just it's every audience is different, too. You know, it's like some audiences respond to things differently so yeah. we also change things while we're playing like we'll say okay this set list is not going to work so for this crew for this yeah crowd. so we just yeah. like switch things out or do requests or whatever i've never heard you guys play prince of darkness and i want to someday that oh, is on we, my we list played that we have played that a lot actually i haven't i've like i told you i've seen you guys over 30 times and i'm always yeah. like oh it never well, it's not a, it's not an every night thing but it yeah. has come back into our playlist quite a bit in the last, I'd say, like right before the pandemic and then post pandemic, we tended to play it more than we had used, than we used okay. to. Yeah, and it was just the result of requests for it. Really? Yes. So I'm not honestly. the only one. No, it's like, and plus it's like, what I always say to Emily is if certain people keep asking over and over, it means that there's other people also that probably want to hear it. So like, yeah certain songs we we should just learn if we feel like it i mean we don't want to play something we don't like but we like that song so i was gonna say are there songs you don't like that you guys have made in the past no i don't i yes there's plenty. okay uh, okay 
it's not that we don't like them. It's just that they don't feel as good as some of the other songs. Right. So, you know, we don't want to play them. Like, but there's, you know, like Blood and Fire. It's sentimental. It's old. It's not a great song, but people want to hear it, but it's for sentimental reasons. Yeah. I don't really I mean, want to play it. I mean, I love the song. I would love to hear it live, but I see what you're saying. I you can know see what I mean? It's, yeah. I mean, it's a very young song right. in my songwriting. Right. And so for me as a songwriter, I'm like, eh. You know, it's kind right. of a, it's a, like a oops <laughs> sort of moment. I think of that often with, with people who are tour a lot, um, if they have to sing songs that they wrote when they were like 18 and now they're 55, it's like, it can't resonate the same way, right? It has to yeah. just have a different feeling now. I mean, there are some songs that you write when you're young that for some reason, like Kid Fears. Kid yeah. Fears is a very young song as well, mm -hmm. but it still resonates because there's some things about it that reinvent themselves. Yeah. You know, can you tell me what that line kid fears means? It's kind of a weird double entendre in some ways. Cause it's like, I wrote it for some friends of mine that had been through abusive situations, you know, and I was kind of saying, what would you give like for the normal, like just to have the kid fears that like people that don't go through that have, you know? Um, and I was also was saying what, you know, what would you trade that for? Like, yeah. what would make you feel better? So it was like yeah. two things. And it's really meant to be for kids even now. And, you know, people that are just suffering. Yeah. Because we yeah. don't all get to have great childhoods absolutely you know? yeah and, and that's um, and it's on a spectrum too because like i may have had things in my childhood that felt really rough to me mm -hmm. but then when i was in my 20s and i met people that had been through other stuff i was like it's relative you know yeah, absolutely it, yeah and it, does, it doesn't mean your pain is any less it just means open up to the world suffering and see what other people are going through. Absolutely. And Michael Stipe is on that song. Do you guys still keep in touch? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, I mean, I love him so much. We saw each other recently at a, we did an REM tribute show for the 30th anniversary of Chronic Town in Athens. It was so fun. Uh, I mean, that sounds amazing. Like freaking kid in a candy store. All, you know, all these great Athens bands were there. And Michael came. He didn't sing. He didn't want to sing with anybody. Because um, he's 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 not it's not a aloofness or anything. He's just sincerely is just like, I wanna I wanna listen. He's like, yeah. I'm here to listen. Aww. I love his honesty. So we yeah. did talk. We talked and um it was great to see him. I love yeah, him. Yeah, I bet. Always I mean, will. talk about Atlanta royalty or Georgia royalty. That's the first person that comes to mind. Well, um so gave us our they gave us our whole career, really. I love that. I love it. So I interviewed Emily about 10 years ago and I asked her this. So I'm going to ask you now. So there's definitely, when it comes to the Indigo Girls, there's Amy songs and there's Emily songs, right? And so a lot of times my friends and I will just be like, if you had to choose to only listen to an Amy song or an Emily <laughs> song the rest of your life, like who would you choose? And every time we're like, we could never choose. It's Sophie's choice. We couldn't choose. Um, has it ever happened where you brought a song to the table or Emily brought a song to the table and one of you were just like, no. I don't like it. This is not happening. Yeah, totally. Really? Um, it it's rare. It's super rare. Okay. It's usually more like I like the song, 
but it needs to, that should be like, if Emily, if I think Emily should do it on her own as a solo song, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it should be, you know, informed by our duo-ness. So it becomes like a, it's not because I don't like the song right. ever. But there was a song of mine on a punk record on Stag that was called Lucy Stoners that Emily was just like, I don't want to do that. That's she, so funny because when I asked Emily, she was like, no, that's never happened. That never oh, that's not true. She didn't. You know, <laughs> maybe she thought you meant Indigo songs. No, she said to me, she, yeah, she didn't want to do it. So I made yeah. it. I, I was so excited about it, you know, and brought it to the table. And she's like, I can't sing that song. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, yeah, so I'll how do, it do on, you? Do it on my, Just, how do you decide? A, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, it was a subject matter for her, you know. She oh, just okay. can't. Because it was really, you know, of course, now it's it's fine. It was like very despondent of Jan Winter from Rolling Stone, and it was sort of taking the piss out of him. Okay. And, and it was a feminist song about Lucy Stoner's, that movement. And it was ant it was against people, you know, it was a challenging homophobia and misogyny. Yeah. yeah. It was calling him out. And she's like, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, but you can. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, okay. So okay. I put it on stag and it was fine. But now it's like, you know, now we right. see what's going to be on winter. Right. But, um, you know, that's our deal though with each other is if you can't, it's not a, I didn't take it, I don't take it personally. You know, right. it's, it's, we got to like believe if you're going to deliver it and you're going to be digging into the arrangement, you got to hear yourself in it. Yeah, right. And there's you guys have been doing this. There's songs she writes that I think we should do that she doesn't want to do. Really? Like there was a great song on her solo record called Match that she wrote with Kristen Hall. Mm -hmm. I love that song so much. I always wanted to do it as Indigo Girls. She never wanted to do it as Indigo Oh, how funny. And how I was is that like, for oh. you? Like, how do you choose between an Amy Ray, you know, song versus an Indigo Girls song? Because like uh, the song More Pills, for example, I love that song. I can't get through it. I love it so much, <laughs> but it feels a little Indigo Girlsy to me. So, how did you choose yeah. to make that? And I think the first time I heard it was at an Indigo Girls show. You came on and did it solo. So, how yeah, do you yeah. choose that that's going to be an Amy song versus an Indigo song? For me, it's just like I can hear like the collaborators in my head. You know, mm -hmm. like I can hear. You know, when I wrote that song, it just felt like a country tune and. Mm -hmm. I was putting together a country band and yeah. I had met a guitar player that I loved and we were just, you know, collaborating so much and I just loved him and I wanted to do it with him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I could just feel how he would approach it. Mm -hmm. And it felt, and also there's a singularness, a singularity, I mean, to like the topics or something in the solo songs that don't feel like they're, meant to be shared as a duo because Emily and I just really color each other's songs you know like when she sings with me it's, she's part of the song and yep. part of her song and so yeah I, I can just hear it I can hear Emily in my head she doesn't mm -hmm. feel the same way but when she's writing she doesn't hear me necessarily yeah but I just do or I'll hear a punk, sometimes I hear a punk band yeah right you know, yeah sometimes like, oh, like you know. yeah Amy Ray single without Emily I would say like, yeah, some of your albums lean more punk, some lean more country. How has like punk and country been influential in your life? Because you think of the Indigo Girls, right? You don't necessarily think of like punk rock or even country, like more Americana, I guess. But like, I feel like you guys well, are your own thing. So when we, well, when we came up, you know, in Atlanta, 
a lot of the earliest places we were playing were bands that had been or clubs that had been punk bars yeah. and a lot of the bands that gave us like the break to open for them were like bands that were considered like all indie punk bands we weren't really like on the folk scene because the folk scene was no they weren't that gay friendly in the folks mm. in the south the interesting scene, but the punk scene was you know because it was very queer and yeah i mean in atlanta you know yeah um so unless you wanted to be part of the women's music scene which we were sort of you know naively and 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 ignorantly rejecting in a way you know wanted to just be in our own scene like the college scene or whatever yeah. um i think we were just fa afraid of being gay probably when we were really young so we really learned a lot from the do it yourself the diy punk movement and so yeah. for me and when i discovered you know patty smith and the replacements and who's could and the pretenders and you know just all these bands that really informed me like uh energetically yeah that's just the kind of music i like you know i love it yeah and i see punk and country as being very similar you know in some ways like the i mean traditional country like hank williams yeah like, yeah right you know and loretta lynn i mean yeah. very like you know usually by very renegade very mm -hmm. like the chord structures are simple but this but the you know the class it's like the clash has like simple chord structures but super interesting lyrics full you know? of feeling right yeah yeah and yeah. songs of the people right and exactly yeah yeah so and i think you know that's just always been my side of things and emily's informed you know she likes country a lot but she tends to like pop country more and yeah. she likes interesting i wouldn't expect that she loves pop country oh how funny the good stuff not like yeah. you know not misogynistic stupid. right not the bro country like yeah i mean some of the bro i have to say like some of the bro country much to my chagrin i'm like that's a good song you don't know? you hate that you're like i should not like this <laughs> i do hate it because i yeah. like kind of like emily with hip-hop because she likes a lot of hip-hop that can be super misogynist right yeah yeah and it's a struggle for her right i'm the same way with some bro country where i'm like uh -huh. I, really, I hate what this artist stands for but that's a good song yeah, i know and you have to like oh it's yeah. just the way it is sometimes i guess yeah um yeah that's so funny so you and emily i've always told my dad this i feel like and it's probably this is my like love for you guys i feel like you guys are like paul mccartney and john lennon fighting each other i cannot believe you guys like come from the same town and you met so young so is it true you guys have known each other since elementary school yeah that is wild i was 10 and she was 11. oh my god I know. And how did you guys like realize you're both into music and you both have these like complimentary voices? Well, when we were in elementary school, you know, she was would sit in the lunchroom and play guitar and I would see her, you know, I was a year apart behind uh -huh. her. That's in elementary school. That's like a vast. Oh, it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and then when we got into high school, I was start I started to sing in the chorus and we started to have some similar friends and we had an English teacher that had had all her siblings and my siblings and he taught advanced placement English and we all kind of even when even when before I was in his class Emily had his class and I would go hang out in his classroom after school with Emily and play songs that we had learned like cover songs so he really nurtured our career and and being in the chorus you know we started to have similar friends and hang out together and play and yeah it just really chorus is what kind of brought us together like high school chorus you know? which makes sense because your guys's harmonies are one thing you're really known for 
Well, yeah, but she's she was the magic of that. Like when yeah. we started, I didn't even know how to sing harmony. I was like, really? yeah, I kind of, you know, I would fake my way through an alto part in church choir, but never really, I was really a tenor even then, and I really couldn't like grasp it. So then Emily started, we started singing together and she would always do the harmony or I would learn a harmony as if it was a melody, kind of like a Simon and Garfunkel thing. Yeah, yeah. And then I started learning how to write harmony from her, really. So yeah. she kind of, you know, she was like sort of musically way more advanced than me earlier on. And I was kind of more business advanced, you know, mm -hmm. like more like strategizing about gigs and, you know, what we should do and kind of pushing a lot and she was kind of like i don't know you know i might be a teacher or i might do this i might go to grad school and i was like well we can do that and this there you go that's my opinion so, i'm so glad it turned out the way it did yeah we're just lucky i mean honestly no it's not luck it's not. some of it is <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i guess so some it's of a it portal is. it's a window that opens at a certain time yeah and if you yeah find, it's like malcolm gladwell or something if you have the nurturing and you have the support system when that window opens yeah yeah it does all come right. together i suppose yeah. yeah which is what happened for us I mean, that's amazing we just had the the timing was right and yeah and tracy chapman was out and you know yeah all the, the things started happening and then rem took us under their wing and it was just like that's huge yeah you know. and here we are yeah all these years later that's so exciting uh so you have a show coming up at the troubadour here in la on january 16th we're excited about that anything you want to tell us about the tour i mean you've already told us a lot but anything about the show you're looking I mean, forward to just, you know so the troubadour is one of my favorite places iconic of all time yeah. <laughs> to play and i you know when i play there with emily it's i don't even it's just the best in the world and so I and I wouldn't have gotten a chance to play there really with my band unless Dar said so. So I'm really excited. I'm just I look at it as a gift, honestly, as a gift to be able to play at the Troubadour. Yeah. So super excited. We're going to be we're actually recording um, a lot of these shows on the West Coast, too. So that's going to be we're bringing oh. a recording rig with us because okay. as long as we're there. Yeah. <laughs> Is it going to be released as anything, do you think? Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna put a live record out with this band. Awesome. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I that's, will be. That's our goal. That's our goal. That's know. amazing. My dad and I will be at the Santa Barbara show and the LA show. So awesome. We'll be in the audience right. singing along. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Oh, I have one more little story to tell you. I was just telling my coworkers, and like you have to tell Amy when you talk to her. Okay. Um, I had a boat a couple of years ago. This like old like 1950s little boat, and it was blue. <laughs> And we named it the Indigo Girl. <laughs> oh, that's flattering. I love old boats. Yeah, wow, yeah it's a beauty. Cool. It's, it's a really beautiful old boat, but she's called wow. the Indigo Girl. So you got a boat out there. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. Great. I can't thank you enough for taking time thank to talk. You. It's really been very special to me. And yeah, and we're really looking forward to your show. And I've been listening to your album. And we're just so excited for the Indigo Girl show and excited for the Amy Ray. Um, solo show you. so thank yeah you. thank you so much it was really wonderful awesome